You're listening to the McKinsey on Consumer and Retail podcast, featuring wide-ranging conversations on the topics that matter most in the consumer and retail industries. I'm your host, Monica Toriello. Ask 100 CEOs what their top concern is in mid-2022, and most of them, if not all of them, will say inflation. In many countries, inflation is at a record high, and many experts are predicting that it will persist. Rising prices could be part of the economic landscape for the rest of the year, and even through to 2023. And companies are responding in a variety of ways. Here with us today are three McKinsey partners who have been working closely with consumer companies on their inflation response. We'll hear from our three guests about how companies can not only keep their businesses going amid inflationary pressure, but how they might emerge even stronger from this challenging period. So let's meet our guests. Kevin Bright is the global leader of McKinsey's work on consumer pricing. He is a partner based in London, and for 25 years, he's been working with CPG companies around the world to capture the full potential of revenue growth management, or RGM. Thanks for joining us today, Kevin. Thanks, Monica. It's great to be here. Peter Reinders is a partner based in the Brussels office. He is one of the leaders of our work on RGM in Europe and has co-authored several articles on RGM, including a recent one titled Revenue Growth Management, The Time Is Now, which he wrote along with the two other guests we have on today's episode. Hey, Peter, good to have you here. Thanks, Monica. I'm looking forward to the discussion. And Roman Steiner, a partner based in Zurich, is also a co-leader of McKinsey's work in RGM in Europe and a co-leader of our inflation response in Europe across both consumer packaged goods and retail. Glad to have you on the podcast, Roman. Thank you, Monica. Very excited to be here today. Let's start by talking about what you're seeing and hearing among consumer company CEOs who are you know, grappling with very high inflation in many European countries. The European Central Bank raised interest rates for the first time in 11 years. You know, energy prices are soaring. Supply chains are being disrupted. What's the outlook for the industry and what's the, the temperature among the CEOs that you're talking to? We would probably refer to it as a perfect storm of inflation, as there's a mix of structural, cyclical, as well as supply chain issues that are actually contributing to the inflation. And hence, we also believe it's going to persist. If you look at it, there's five main factors contributing to inflation today. It's obviously labor costs and the availability of talent. It's agriculture and hard commodities, well, freight, as well as energy prices that are rising. So each of these factors have their own reason uh, to drive inflation, but all of it together adds to a perfect storm outside for companies to navigate through. Given all these factors, we also don't expect the inflation to resolve in the near term. So we do believe this is going to be around for companies for a while, and it will be a topic that will be on top of mind for CEOs for the years to come. I see uh, the conversation now shifting, right, from inflation was a very temporary or very sort of temporary initial blip to something that is now clearly uh, persisting over time. And so if you talk to CEOs now, the recession will be top of mind. And what are some of the implications of that? Again, on consumer spending power and consumer sentiment. Inflation is obviously not just on the CEO's minds, but also on consumers' minds very much, right? And we run consumer sentiment surveys with consumers uh, across Europe in five large European uh, countries. 
uh, inflation has now become the number one source of concern for consumers. No less than 53% of consumers across Europe cite this as their top concern uh, economically. And what's interesting is this is consistent across income levels, right? So this is lower income, middle income, high income. All of them have inflation uh, as the top concern and all of them are around 50%. So this is not something that is only on the minds of consumers that have you know, lower discretionary spend. It's now starting to translate into uh, the economic situation, right? Which is that around two thirds of consumers are very negative uh, are negative about uh, the future uh, uh, of their economy. I think what this then translates to in behavior of consumers is 75% of consumers have tried new shopping behaviors. 40% of people have tried a private label brand. 33% of consumers have switched brands, so have switched from one to the other brand. 27% of consumers have switched to the store or retailer that they shop at. And that part is significantly shifting towards um, uh, towards discounters. So you see real, you know, recessionary behaviors coming forward, uh, and quite a lot of pessimism uh, on the consumer side. So it, it is absolutely, you know, very much top of mind, uh, and is going to continue to be top of mind for consumers. And it's really important for CPGs to reflect that in the in responses that they give. For example, uh, ensure that there are affordable options um, uh, for consumers that are being stretched on their discretionary spend. Uh huh. So ensuring affordable options for consumers is one response. What else are CPG companies doing, and what should they be doing at this time? Like, what are effective actions that you've seen, and and what are ineffective actions? So, in other words, what seems to be best practice, and then. What are some mistakes or pitfalls for CPG companies to avoid? Yeah, so we would broadly categorize the actions under, under three components, right? The first is everything around what we call revenue growth management, right? So every actions around pricing, assortment, promotions, uh, trade investments, that's sort of component number one. And we see that's typically the biggest component in the answer, right? So it provides most of the impact the second is uh, everything that has to do with procurement. So thinking about how do they design products more to value for consumers? So how can I strip out components uh, out of product that add less value for consumers? And then the third is everything around supply chain and manufacturing. How do I find better routes uh, for trucks? How do I reduce you know, gasoline consumption? Now, I think the impact of those is sort of slowing over time because a lot of the initial focus was on those elements, right? Um, and now uh, companies have to look for much more granular actions. So how can I think about promotions uh, in the light of consumers uh, having less purchasing power? Uh, how can I think about my assortment, simplifying my assortment uh, over time so that I can uh, increase um, or decrease costs uh, effectively, right? Uh, so I think it's much more now about the nuanced elements next to the, the big hitters uh, that are becoming more relevant. I think we've seen a real evolution, both in the urgency and the sophistication of CPG's response. In the first wave, people were pretty quick to pull the pricing lever. And depending on which country and market you're talking about, they pulled it again, and in some cases, even three times. Um, they've really reached this point now where, as Peter mentioned, not only are, are folks risking long-term damage to demand and, and the focus has shifted to preserving demand, 
but they're risking long-term damage to their equity and to the positioning of their brands. And uh, the reality is, is that even amongst competitors within uh, specific um, categories, they're actually being hit by the inflationary and recessionary forces a little bit differently. And so they're not all responding the same way. So it's not as simple as everybody can take price and the water level goes up. We're seeing more and more uh, consumers are now substituting one category for another, exiting a category, wholesale shifts from one manufacturer to a different brand, massive downshifting, particularly the sort of mid or mainstream brands to value brands. And so um, what that means is that pricing was probably fine in the short run, but it's not a long-term or sustainable way to fix this going forward, especially if elevated inflation persists, which I think most of us believe it will. So it's about getting into, as, as Peter described, some of those more nuanced approaches. And, and you know when you get into promotions, it's not as simple as cutting back your promotions, but it's about doing it thoughtfully. It's about looking and saying, where do we have consumption expandable categories that I want to continue to promote because I can continue to drive volume and preserve demand versus where do I have non-consumption expandable categories? And frankly, that's where I want to be probably pulling back a little bit on my promotions because I'm not actually adding to the top line. I'm just pulling from the bottom line. Similarly, we've seen folks trying to do things like move off of multi-buy promotions. The reality is consumers have less disposable income, and so it's hard for them to get excited about buying three weeks supply of a specific product because there's a multi-buy promotion available on it. So it's about shifting these promotions into smaller sizes, single units, uh, in some cases, deeper discounts. What it ultimately means is that these companies have got to become a lot more precise and a lot more thoughtful because the broad sweeping actions that served them reasonably well over the first one or two or three waves are just not ones that they can rely on going forward. I think the other concrete example, especially prevalent in Europe, is as an opportunity um, to walk away of some unhealthy promo behaviors in the markets. And that's often being very large discounts and very large multi-packs I kind of had a purpose uh, in the last years in kind of trying to gain the, the, the volumes from consumers. It is, has often not been the most profitable um, action, neither for them nor for their retail partners. So then actually taking the opportunity and the fact that affordability is becoming a, a topic for consumers to roll back some of these so to say, unhealthy and very steep discounts as well as big multi-pack offerings they had in the promo to actually reset the promo behavior with the consumers to set them on the more healthy path for the long term. There's one other thing that is really important to understand in this environment, um, which is that a lot of the sort of more classic econometrically driven insights that companies use to inform their RGM strategies are somewhat in flux at the moment. And so the other thing that we've seen the particularly agile and forward-thinking CPGs do is actually recognize that the historical or recently historical purchasing behavior that we can see may not be indicative of future purchasing behavior. And so what they've been doing 
to compensate for this is, is really two big things that I've seen. One is replacing a lot of the econometric models with uh, uh, primary research, particularly conjoint research, to understand uh, elasticity on a more current level and also on a bit more of a future-looking level. And the second thing that I've seen them doing is when it comes to promotions, uh, instead of trying to learn from past performance, it's much more about a very rapid test, learn, and iterate kind of approach where they're um, trying a lot of new things in the market. A lot of the retailers are also looking for answers and looking for solutions, and it provides an opportunity for the CPGs to partner with their retail partners uh, or with the retailers who they work with and actually develop these test and learn programs together so that they are uh, able to uh, frankly, do things in store that, you know, two years ago, we wouldn't have ever conceived of retailers letting a manufacturer do that. And that opens up a new door to, frankly, a, a broader and longer term reset of RGM strategy uh, and an opportunity to reset RGM strategy more broadly that I don't, I don't think we've seen uh, probably since early 2000. I think Kevin is raising a very important point, um, which is the opportunity that lies within this uh, unprecedented times as well. There is the opportunity to reset the, especially RGM strategies for in the long term now. Um, and if we look at past crises, we actually have seen that resilient companies and especially CPG companies have done much better kind of after the crisis. So the way they exited the crisis um, than non-resilient companies have done because they've embraced the opportunity within. And if you look at, I would say, top bottom line and how this has differed, you'll see that the more resilient companies will have been a bit more occupied with preserving demand during the actual crisis slash recession times, but will have recovered on the profitability side after they exited from the crisis. So basically made up for the fact, but during the crisis I've been very focused on kind of preserving demand. And you see in their shareholder performance as well, that if you look at the entire period covering recession and recovery, they've done considerably better than non-resilient CPGs. The response, right? And the success of the response from ultimately will depend on two components, right? One is the depth of your response, right? So how much pricing are you taking? How much cost are you taking out? How much are you able to reduce promotions, et cetera? The second component of it is speed. You cannot underestimate the shift. In the past, CPGs were having to take price or having to make pricing decisions once a year, right? That's essentially when they had retail negotiations. Now they have to make decisions every three months. And so there is just a premium on moving fast in the market next to the depth and the accuracy of the depth and finding the right balance between the speed and the accuracy, I think is very important. And what we've seen some really successful players uh, doing is setting up agile response teams, right? That are cross-functional, that are sort of empowered to make decisions based on what they're seeing in the marketplace at that moment, based on what they are seeing in terms of how retailers are responding, in terms of how competitors are responding so that you can move fast. So they're just a, a, a premium to speed and being agile in this moment. 
I want to dig a little deeper into a couple of points that you've made. Kevin and Roman, you both talked about the opportunity for an RGM reset and more collaboration between CPGs and retailers and a, a greater willingness on retailers' part to try new things. What are some examples of that? There's a lot of retailers who um, have 10 for 10 promotions, for example, 10 units for 10 pounds or $10 or 10 euros. Um, and, they're, and people are coming back saying, I can't do 10 for 10 anymore. How about nine for 9.99? Um, there wouldn't have been openness to that previously. Um, there's a lot of folks who really like to see multi-buys as the primary promotional construct. But I think we're realizing now that, you know, folks don't need three weeks worth of orange juice in their house. They need one week's worth of orange juice and they want to get it at a good deal and they need to get it now. Um, so we move off of the multi-buy and we move into things that are much more focused on, you know, the need between shopping trips as opposed to trying to load the pantry over a longer period. I think what we're seeing is that the retailers are willing to let people experiment with that, especially when it fits with the retailer's overall message of, we're on the side of our shopper. We're here to protect you. We are fighting these, these manufacturer price increases every step of the way. To the extent that you can feed into that messaging and find ways to align with them, it's much more powerful. Uh, and there's a lot more degrees of freedom right now. That's interesting. Um, Peter, one of the things you mentioned is agile response teams, which in other McKinsey articles, we've called them nerve centers or inflation win rooms. What does that look like for CPG companies? Like, are they doing this well? Are they doing it right? Or, you know, what are some opportunities that you see for CPG companies to get the most out of agile response teams? There's a couple of things that we think are needed for them to work really well. The first is that it's a cross-functional team, right? So it's not just somebody from the sales side, or it's not just somebody from the marketing side, but it includes supply chain, includes finance, et cetera, so that you can really get to holistic solutions. And you understand if you are to increase prices on a certain SKU that's going to drop demand, what is the implication of that on cogs in the factory? The second is that you create these teams at the right levels, right? So if there is a team at the regional level that can help, but the translation of that into local initiatives where you're actually making those decisions is really important. So make sure they're as close as possible to the action. And the third uh, is that these teams, uh, it's important that they are empowered to make decisions. If they have to get lots of approvals uh, before they can uh, move things, that is where some of the things fall down. Right. So agile response teams should be cross-functional, close to the action and empowered. It's useful advice for CPG leaders in this challenging time. In the last few minutes that we have left, any final thoughts, any words of advice for CEOs as they navigate inflation and potentially recession? We're at a point where nuance, portfolio, multi-lever, and frankly, paradigm shifting creativity are required. We need to be thinking about this as a new normal. And while we may all hope that it's only gonna persist for another period of months or a year, we have to prepare for it to persist for five or six or seven years. Thinking through a longer term solution around resiliency, around agility, and around strategy. I think the second thing that, that these organizations need to think about in this context then is, do I have the right resources? Do I have the right data? 
do I have the right technology to be able to do this at pace and with rapid iteration? And a lot of organizations are, are set up for more of a slow and steady than they are for this rapid iteration that's required right now. Think more in scenarios versus forecasts. I think if, if one thing um, has been taught to us in the last three, four years is there's a lot of change out there, supply chain issues, pandemic, now the inflation, that a typical kind of forecasting based techniques we've used in the past will not be sufficient as we look forward, right? So really strongly anchor in scenarios on bigger developments, macroeconomic supply chain availability of products to basically come up with better answers to also unlock some of the creativity that was mentioned. So really move away from what I would call a forecast-based way to leading your business to a scenario-based way, which doesn't mean you have to give up in precision of your analysis at all, but it has to change the way you look at it and the way you project your business into the future to adopt more scenarios and probably at point more extreme scenarios than you would have had in the past. I would just stress this through cycle view uh, of how do I get out of this stronger uh, with the balance of how do I fix kind of, you know, my margins and top line in the short term. And I think some of the companies are able to take these strategic bets in the right places where they really want to gain market share uh, or where they feel they have a competitive edge and therefore are investing consciously in those places. I think those are going to be the companies that are sort of the long-term winners coming out of this. So the more that you can be strategic about where you want to go, um, want to sort of invest versus where you actually want to recover a lot uh, of the margin losses, I think the, the better it's going to be. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the McKinsey on Consumer and Retail podcast. A transcript of this conversation will be posted on McKinsey.com very soon. To suggest topics for future episodes, email us at consumer underscore podcast at McKinsey.com. To stay connected with us, subscribe to our email alerts on McKinsey.com. Thanks again for listening.